and we are now live on Radio Vegas. Da Rocks, uh, which is a great place to catch all kinds of quality programming as well as replays. And uh, our new app, um, which actually isn't new anymore, but I want it to be new to you. The Radio Vegas Dot Rocks app will play our content in the background as well as all kinds of cool community perks. There's a special place to send us messages there that we give special love to regarding. Uh, there's coupons for local businesses like Pinche's Tacos or um, that pizza one, Naked City Pizza. Um, so on that note, Juan's Flaming Fajita and Casino. <laughs> Pepperoni Cups, Flaming Casino. Uh, Juan's Flaming Fajita and Cantina. Anyway. Here we go. Ow! Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like what? Those were the dudes. Those are the dudes on like was it Sesame Street? Oh yeah. They were like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were like four of them, and they had those weird mouths. Like. Such a good thing that happened. Right. Man, maybe we can link that later because uh, it's hard to search. You know what? You bump into it if you're looking. Oh yeah, I'll I'll find it. Okay. Uh, what is this right now? It's greasy conversation spelled the right way. Here is where we do the deep dives on the dank news. Um, if you haven't tuned in before, welcome. You picked a good episode to start with. It's uh, going to be a festival of reactions to things we found that um, sometimes here we even scope Joe Rogan. I heard two different things on on old Rogan in the last week that we totally covered earlier. Yeah, nice. So if you want to find out what someone known for being late to the party on a bunch of news, uh, we're totally ahead of that person at least. Yeah. But it's not as we're much... We're behind. Yeah. And that's what Which makes okay. it tank. It's totally okay. And sometimes even better because you know by the time you hear it from us, this was like your last chance to be hip with something. Plus after, like sometimes a story has to stew. Yes. You know, and like more details have to be discovered about it. Because it's not, it's not ripe yet, you know? That's a major important point. You don't want that unripe stew news. No, you want it maximum ripe. You want that uh, soup news. That pickle soup. <laughs> yeah, so that's the deal here. Uh, tell your friends. Thank you so much for coming back. And thank you for watching this replay. If we keep having the internet problems that we've been having. Which is in the whole town. And we're actually going to get two internet providers here at the station and double it up. Um, so have no fear. We're lining things up and checking them off. We fixed the AC issue, uh, and things are uh, way cooler in here. And uh, there's a wall coming. We're doing more with the ceiling. It's just trucking along, and I'm really happy to have you along for the ride. I hope you can grab some friends and let them experience the freshness while it's still young, while we're still young together uh, and timely and all that. So welcome. I'm pulling up the news notes right here. If you want to introduce the first thing we might discuss. Yeah, so I found this article, which is kind of, seems funny to me, but I, I'm sure this has to be studied. But it was a study on a, last year for the Ultra Music Festival in Florida. And there's a study about the surrounding, surrounding wildlife and how the festival affects them, particularly a creature known as a toadfish. And so, like, while the festival was going on last year, these uh, scientists were studying these 
level of stress hormone in the toadfish's blood. <laughs> and they did find that there is a four to five fold increase in cortisol, which is a stress hormone. Uh, that's what loads us up and gets us all stressed out as well. So, yeah, there's that. So it's like toadfish just don't like electronic festivals, man. It's one of those things where the, the drudgery of a music festival, which I, you know, it seems like a lot of lying in mud and sleeping in something that's not a building. I don't know. I don't see a lot of... I, 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 those fish ain't more excited than I am. Yeah, well, I... I see <laughs> festivals as like... It, it sounds like a good idea before I get there. And then, like, once I'm there, after a few bands, I'm like, oh, man. I don't care about this shit. <laughs> <laughs> hey... Like, Shout out to Mike Gagliano in the chat, Mike. Mad Mike. He's noticing my forehead today. That's on the Facebook chat. Uh, I'm not sure if I've got that on screen for you or not, but it's just a comment about the forehead. I just appreciate it being noticed. I've always, I came out of the womb with a giant forehead. I used to be worried about my hair going away. It turns out it's just the same old shoreline. It's just a, it's just a broad coast. We got that deep fake forehead technology. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's just a... Uh, uh, this is a big solar panel. Right. That's all that's going on. And then, like, I sat down without the wind, like, aimed at me. So it's a nice temperature in here, but I didn't set up my airflow game yet. So we'll see. Oh, what am I showing you right now? Hold <laughs> on. Just, like, talking and clicking. Right. <laughs> I would so. also like to see if there's a difference on, like, the type of music. You know what I mean? If there's, like, a rock festival, do the toadfish like rock music? Yeah, how did these animals deal with uh, previous popular genres? Is right. it just where music is headed that's got them making this face? <laughs> <laughs> and is, it, is it like a particular type of electronic music that was like closest <laughs> to where the toadfish were? Like there's a lot of, there's a lot of loose ends in this study, I feel like. Yeah, yeah, there's more to be done. There's more science to be done here. Yeah. I mean, we need to know the answers to some of these fucking questions that's for damn sure <laughs> see uh, i have to say stock photo game strong because <laughs> this it, for the audio people basically this this fish slash frog frog looking fish its mouth is open in anger it looks like it's upset it looks like a like a a neighbor that's yeah it definitely looks like it's angry and yelling at you <laughs> Like, you, you accidentally bumped into it walking down the street, and it's one of those people that get really offended by that. It's got that, hey! Hey! Face. Hey! Hey! <laughs> you just fucking bump into me, dude. Nice. You just fucking bump into me, bro. Oh, speaking, you know those dudes. Speaking of Mad Mike and Two Clueless Dudes, I also had their logo behind our logo right now. I fixed Nice. <laughs> Double logo time. Yeah, you guys get to see the gears over on this show. They are on Fridays at 5. It's another show that I produce. So I highly recommend it uh, that you go check it out and join that little party, too. Much recommended. So anyway. And next up, I, we usually like avoid this because it's all over everywhere. Um, in Alabama, there's coronavirus parties. And the idea behind these is that everyone pitches in and like you buy a ticket, whatever it is, five or ten bucks, you know. And that the first person who gets confirmed to have been infected with coronavirus by a doctor gets the pot. So all the money that was collected in the tickets 
they get that. So that's the whole <laughs> idea behind these. Which, yeah. uh, you know, I mean, what the fuck ever, man. Do what you want to do to stay away from me. Yeah, what are your thoughts on that, Droplets? Because we don't want to make this Roni Central. You got Roni time. You got you can Rona it all, all everywhere else. Yeah. But this is a particularly wacky one I wanted to get your opinion on. Yeah, it just seems like pretty... Quite a drinking game. Yeah. Yeah, it is, man. <laughs> Uh, just that whole idea, like, seems, uh, I mean, even if it is, like, for the most part, it's just, like, the flu for most people, like, the flu still sucks balls. And people who say, like, oh, it's just the flu, like, you never had the flu. Guarantee like, it. Just the flu. Like, when's the last time you felt as close to death as your last flu? Yeah. It's seriously. And it lasts for, like, I mean, even the flu lasts for two weeks, and it's just shitty. And then, like, even after you don't feel like total shit after two weeks, you still don't feel normal for another two weeks. Yeah. So it all sucks. I wouldn't want to go to get a payout of any amount. Well, maybe, you know, we cross like a certain threshold. What's your number? Whatever. No, no, no. What's your number? What's, I, uh, I was thinking about that. Um, I don't know. I would I would roll the Roni dice for like a hundred grand. All right. I could do it. Yeah, that was that was my first guess. So I was like, oh, I should just bump it up to a million, just that's like, like just because. That's like more than three years of what my usual income is. But like, yeah, totally realistically, <laughs> like hundred k. Yeah. Yeah, you know what? I do fifty k for Roni dice, especially because um, I finally started making little enough money that I'm getting that health care that the government gives you. Yeah, like, yeah. I always made like $10 too much more a month <laughs> to qualify for it. It's the dumbest thing. So now I'm finally, I finally have my healthcare situation uh, a little better. So I feel like I might be ready. I might be ready for some little ventilator time. Real talk though, the ventilator hose messes up your throat. That's no fun. Yeah, it does not look like even remotely worth it. Yeah, I have asthma too. So I'm already like one of those danger zone people. Nevertheless, I'm all 50K if it's like for those Roni dice. What what roll, what roll the dice for you guys, Holler? Even if your chat's not on the screen this episode, at least not at first, uh, you know, don't make it not make you chat. Because people can, uh, we still we still want your direction and your guidance. Can't do this in a vacuum. Um, it's the time. It's the perfect time to make this your show, and uh, influence it directly, as several of our community has, and it's been great. So this is a reminder to you and me to be more community-like. As far as this goes, you can hermit it up all you want. Lord knows we like to do that, but this is our immortality. We can share it together. This is what will uh, be a record of our personalities and how we interact with the world around us uh, in our living days so that as ghosts and phantoms will still exist in the memory and the history of our times that's represented in our dank little journal of America here tonight. Oh, and hi, Shit. people not in America, especially Bangladesh. <laughs> really appreciate having you. Don't shout you out enough. Thanks. Only hi to America. No, <laughs> On that note. All right. And then uh, this other study, kind of related, but it's about THC has been shown to prevent <gasps> uh, lethal symptoms of acute respiratory disease syndrome, which is caused by uh, the old Rona or one of the things caused by Rona that results in people's death. So they've been doing these studies in THC, preventing these, uh, or this lung disorder in, uh, 
in mice for the time being. So maybe it shows promise with humans. I to mean, this, I have to say, like, Hella told you so. Not you. But um, <laughs> there's, Specifically you. Yeah. there's so much uh, that comes up being an asthmatic with weed. And um, people argue both sides as far as the how bad smoking weed is for you compared to smoking other stuff when you have a lung problem. But it turns out things like certain, uh, like lemonine, there's certain things like that that are in some weeds and not in others that totally help clear up congestion. And even smoking, even with inhaling these particles, you generally trigger a better, like, phlegm getting out action. Where there's other ones where it feels almost allergic-y when I smoke it and I'm extra clogged. But almost every time, especially with uh, vaping, I'll usually use a Vapor Brothers style box and whip and evaporate the gladness off without setting it on fire. And it's like a volcano, but with no fan. That situation, yeah, it's like initially I might feel a little panicky time and then things clear up and it's uh, an improvement. So that's my take on that. Yeah, vapes are always clean. Can't complain about Vapes, man. I wonder if that's like how they gave it to the like. What do mice prefer? Yeah, THC might protect against an inflammatory storm, which is great because the storms, when all the plants from around the world people bring to this desert, all come and hump in the air. <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah, where gets... sometimes it's just like a wall of pollen floating around the city. Yeah, and sometimes the asthma thing is uh, more of an inflammatory reaction, and it's like uh, something that just needs to be tamed. Um, that's uh, like a overreaction kind of situation. And if this can help with that inflammatoriness, I love that it's THC too. We're not talking about CBD too. We're not talking about CBD in this instance. Particularly the get you high action is going to help you breathe better. Yeah. Apparently, which I, I've been saying this for a minute, so I'm I'm, I'm happy to hear it I, scienced up a little better. Dude, there's got to be someone that like. You know, you see those videos that pop up where someone made, like, a little tiny burrito for a hamster? Yes. You know? Those but, like, are the best. Dude, what if someone rolled a really tiny joint for the mice? Or they had, like, a really tiny bong? And you could see, like, what what do mice like better? Oh, I my mean, gosh. I mean, that's the real science we need. Get ready, because if you're on the video feed, greasyconversation.com, to get a link to that. Um, also, I think we've already had one uh, breath. They're doing, like, a rolling blackout thing. So it's like, uh, just it seems like a, there's a periodic time delay when we have like a brief lapse in internet. So you're probably watching the repeat. I, I shouldn't talk too much about that, but uh, whenever you get a chance to see this video, uh, so hamster, we're gonna look at a little, we're gonna do a little investigatory right now. Tiny hamsters, man. Hamster uh, with a tiny joint, because I've got the burrito up and ready to show you all. If you haven't seen hamsters eating a tiny burrito. Uh, but I want to see a tiny joint. I was, uh, has please. the tiny joint thing already been done? And I bet like... We have to know right now. I bet the hamster would just eat it. Or the mouse, mouse would just eat it. You Counts, know what I mean? There's still going to be a moment where it looks like it's smoking it. Man, these hamsters look really cute, but boy, boy, do they bite. They bite so good. It's yeah, not they're kind of like terrible pets. Terrible honestly. pet. Terrible pet. Especially the robo hamsters, which are the little ones. That Man, look at that little nugget. So cute, but boy, boy, will it bite you. Guinea pigs are way better. Look at this small animal harness on this hamster. That har that hamster is either drugged or stuffed. That's not a real hamster wearing that harness. I, you know, I always like see this question asked, but I've never seen an answer. Where do hamsters exist in the wild? 
I know this for guinea pigs. Yeah. Uh, guinea pigs, we don't know their original common ancestor because they were domesticated by humans so early. And they were like a livestock animal. Um, so huh. guinea pigs were like pocket cows. <laughs> and in Peru, they would grow them and raise them in drawers. Huh. So you just have these drawers of these little livestock fields. And then you skew them up and it's like a, like a tiny little rotisserie on a kebab. Yeah. Oh, they still eat guinea pigs in like... Chubby little fellas. Like Philippines or some places in China or something. Did you say you used to eat? No. Oh, okay. Some humans on this earth currently. Definitely do in Peru. It's definitely... Is uh, that what I'm thinking of? The, that's Could the be. original. So real quick, this tiny burrito thing. I'm just, I've just got it on the screen for you folks while we talk about some stuff. Uh, this guy all excited about the hamster approaching this. Um, this, yeah. this burrito looks like a joint. And his plate is a poker chip. This is fabulous. <laughs> yeah, that's what a hamster, he would just like shove the joint in his little cheek pocket yeah. for later. Anytime an animal uses two hands to eat something, like when you give a rat a cheese it or a sweet tart and it holds it like a little sandwich and it's two yeah, hands, yeah. that's when <laughs> life is at its most precious, y'all. It's true. Yeah, this guy's having cute overload. I'm with him. Heck yeah. Oh, yeah. That, he knows he did a job like well done, man. Yeah. All right. So uh, a lot of you have probably seen that tiny burrito thing. It's like it's one of those things where if it's that dank, we got to make sure you didn't miss it. We got to keep you guys in the zeitgeist. You know what I'm saying? Whoa. Dude. There we go. There's That's some drama. My sound. I made that sound as drama to like use my inhaler because of talking about all that breathing has got me like making phantom phantom congestion and then i just i, I slept on that little <laughs> i made a dramatic sound and nothing happened enjoy uh, <laughs> damn so i did find this article which is it was kind of interesting just for like the whole idea of it you know it's basically this uh astronaut scott kelly and he was just telling the story that while he was up there one of the uh, Russian astronauts almost like, or he came untethered from the space station during a spacewalk and he was like drifting away out into space. And luckily he like bumped into an antenna and that saved his ass. But this other, like Scott Kelly didn't even hear about it for the whole time he was up there until he came down. Oh my gosh. And heard the story and he was so up there for like- even up there he didn't know this had happened because I yeah. didn't know this had happened. That'd and he was up there for like news. a year. Dang, to have anyone floating in space untethered uh, for even a moment is majorly unique. Like, that never happens. And uh, they have a suit with thrusters on it, but still, like, that's not supposed to happen. Yeah, it can be. I mean, it doesn't... That's the thing about space. Like, it doesn't take much for anything to go wrong, you know? No, the Before default shit, state is very totally wrong. sideways. Yeah. yeah, it's like default sideways out there. Which it's surprising, like, the space station has survived for as long as it has with, like, no major catastrophes, you know? Oh, man. At the time, you think if we get hit, we will be vaporized. There's no two ways about it. It would be like a nuclear explosion, but it's not something worth dwelling on. Right. But it just it makes me kind of wonder, too, like, how often does shit like this happen in space, like, near misses or near catastrophes? And the astronauts, like, just don't talk about it. You know what Jeez. I mean? 
Yeah, this is some, some dark astronaut stuff on this link. All our links are also available greasyconversation.com. Just click on this episode and there's a link to our news, our, our very own doc with our Easter eggs and our notes. You can roll around in yourself. Ooh, endurance, a year in space, a lifetime of discovery. Like what if in the future and we decide to travel to another planet, but the only way we can do that is like by sending a, like a generation ship or like freeze everyone or something or like the the people on there are going to live for several generations because it's going to take, you know, 200 years to get to another planet or whatever. Yeah, you know that's happening. There's going to be uh, kids that'll be born and die in their own little community that has an overarching goal eventually and ending up somewhere. But the freaky part is if it's a generational journey, well, you got to be ready to settle because wherever you end up, you're not settling. You've yeah. got a long trip back. Or, and if it's not like like cryostasis or like the same people who left like end up at the destination if like that's not possible and so it has to be like you know the next group that's raised and instilled with this like vision like this is why we're here like you can't guarantee that that's going to hold in the culture you know like what if there's a fucking rebellion on that ship yeah and what if like humans on earth like don't care at, anymore after a point which is like entirely possible because we lose contact with the ship mm. once it gets too far away and then, like, who, would our culture even care after a certain while? I'm desperate for something like that just as a backup for humanity. Because oh, yeah. for all we know, the whole universe had the same start at the same Big Bang. And uh, with parallel universes uh, aside and other dimensions aside, that aside, for all we know, um, we're at the head of the game. There's, uh, there's no proof that any other civilization had any more of a head start than us, we might be the most advanced. And uh, if we are, then we're also totally at risk of having to restart. For all we know, there could have been other restarts of us and other civilizations uh, that we're not even aware of. There's definitely been restarts of human civilization uh, where like Library of Alexandria burned down Tons yeah, of, or close to like extinction events for humans or yeah. our ancestors. Yeah, totally. There's so much important science that we've had to learn over again, like uh, with uh, Muslims and advanced math that got destroyed in the Crusades. We had to learn all that stuff over again as humans. There's just yeah. so many examples. Uh, so I just I want a backup of people off Earth. Yeah, totally. To come if something goes awry with Earth or somewhere else. And I think that Mars is all right. We also got to forget, uh, you know, not forget to, you know, consider Venus. I think the only reason why we're not talking about settling on Venus and just talking about Mars is surfacism. And uh, just because <laughs> the surface of Venus is very inhospitable, it doesn't mean that we can't float on that thick atmosphere and treat Venus like an ocean planet. Because there's atmosphere boundaries that are so thick that we could just float on them in something like part dirigible, part ship, basically. And we can mine these semi-gases, uh, these thick gases around Venus, and use them for propulsion and make air and, and drinkable water out of these uh, stuff we'd be floating in over there. It's, it's really viable. It's a softer landing to try to land by just increasing in buoyancy. 
and then Dude. and then float back up to another boundary layer. It's if, just beautiful. What if you could make like little jetpack shoes so you could kind of like float on that surface and like skate around on the surface, and it's just kind of this thick like people surf it dippy like boundary. Ah, oh, man, it so sounds awesome. amazing. Like yeah, Venus sounds way better than Mars. Like Mars is just fucking dirt. Yeah, just more dirt everywhere you go. It's fucking dirt, and it's gonna be dirt forever. <laughs> Maybe some of the dirt will get wet eventually. Yeah. Oh, we could only hope. We'd be so lucky. But wasn't uh, that like uh, Lando Calrissian? Wasn't, didn't he have a, like a floating place? Like Cloud? Wasn't it Cloud Town? Yeah, Cloud Town specifically. Yeah. Yeah, holler if you've been to Cloud Town. Shout out to Mikey in the chat. He mentions all planets matter. <laughs> yeah, we can't be surfacist, you guys. Right. I think it's time we should jump into our first. Uh, Dang, we're already a fourth of the way over. It's yep. insane. So, yeah. Hey, everybody. Brendan from the Brendan and Kevin Show here. And I am here to talk to you about the Cush NC noise-canceling headphones from Kicker Audio. Now, I just purchased a pair of these bad boys, and I got to say, these things are so awesome. And to prove how awesome they are, I have traveled all the way to Germany to this really loud and terrible polka fest. And I want to click on this button right now to show you how good they are. So with this little click, and just like that, all the noise is gone. These things are so awesome, and you can only get them at kicker.com. So I want you to go to kicker.com and check them out. They have some of the best headphones around. So if you're like me and do a lot of audio from home, home recording, uh, live radio, anything of that sort, go check these out. But Kicker doesn't just do headphones. They got your car covered. They got your power sports covered. They even got your boat covered. Who doesn't want a kick-ass sound system in their boat when they go out to Lake Mead and throw an awesome boat party? So go check them out, kicker.com. Tell them RadioVegas.rock sent you. And in the meantime, I got to find my way home. I don't know how I'm going to get back from Germany in time for the show. But until then, see you later. Attention timeshare owners. This is an urgent consumer alert from the Timeshare Exit Hotline, a national company specializing in helping consumers legally get out of their expensive timeshare contract. Our experienced partners are offering you a way to legally get rid of your timeshare. You'll never pay another timeshare maintenance bill again, and all your obligations will be terminated. You can begin saving today. Even if you've tried another company to get rid of your timeshare, call and see if we can help you. At the Timeshare Exit Hotline, we only accept payment after an agreement has been made to get you out of your timeshare. Make this complimentary free call and learn how our honest partners can help anyone, anywhere legally get out of their timeshare nightmare. 800-741-8026. 800-741-8026. That's 800-741-8026. What is Jesse Ray's Barbecue? Well, it's a tiny, unassuming place with a modest menu of platters, sandwiches, and house-made sauces. Located at 5611 South Valley View, by the smell alone, you're going to know you're in the right place. Come try the award-winning slow-smoked ribs, chicken, pulled pork, hot links, and brisket. The sauce is also something to talk about, as you will want to eat it with every bite. Here's a tip for sauces 
are available for purchase. When people ask you how do you like Jesse Ray's barbecue, you'll say like most people I know, I don't like it, I love it. Jesse Ray's barbecue is 100% legit. Stop on by for a meal that will satisfy your barbecue loving lips. Mention Radio Vegas.rocks for 10% off your order. Jesse Ray's, located at 5611 South Valley View on the corner of Valley View and Russell. Come in, take a bite, find out why they're so award winning. Hi, I'm Todd, a child of the 1970s, and your host for K-Todd. It's my 70s radio show that plays the music from the me decade. We'll have lots of memories from those 10 great years with moments from TV and the movies. And your requests. Call me anytime and leave a request or a comment, and you could be on the air at 1-315-665-1970. And stay tuned for the next fun look at the 70s on K-Todd. Be sure to get your mix of music, listen to us with the RadioVegas.rocks app available at the App Store, and check out our VIP card, interact with us in our chat room, and scheduling of our RadioVegas.rocks shows, plus podcasts. It's all available on RadioVegas.rocks app. And we're back. It's Greasy Conversation on RadioVegas.rocks. We got the chat on screen if you want to holler us. If you want to holler us on the video, GreasyConversation.com. To get involved with the video time but also we're here as an audio format to hang out with you while you might be uh cleaning the kitchen scrubbing the car studying and relaxing and chilling we're there for all that but most of all to make sure you're not missing out on any of the dankness going on in the unfolding of american history before our eyes but just just the fun stuff you've got the you've got the other stuff other places we've got the the space we talked about astronauts talking about robot overlords, talking about hamsters. So we got the space and the wildlife. And space hamsters. Yeah. We're talking about cultural things. You know, you know what you're here for. And uh, let's dive back in. Behold. <laughs> well, sometimes that, that seems like <laughs> one of those uncomfortably long silences. Like not always, but just sometimes. That one especially is like a like a vast expanse of the desert wasteland we see before us. Because it like it, it always feels like it's on the precipice of ending, but it doesn't. There's those distant horns for just like long for like five seconds longer than you think, and it's just like constantly, okay, it's over now. It should resolve. No, no, <laughs> it's the desert. All right, so I found this. This is an example of an article that needed time to stew. Because last week I found this. And it just was a blurb. Uh, an unstable star that's about two and a half million times brighter than the sun just disappeared without a trace. Excellent update. And that on was this. like the whole. That was the whole blurb. Yeah. On yeah. MSN. That's all we had at first. And, and then we so followed I, this. I did find another one. Uh, earlier, this morning actually, just to double check, but. I mean, that's basically it's a study it's a star that's been under observation since like 2009 or so and it's just kind of interesting because it's so bright and uh yeah they went to look at it again and it looks like it's totally gone which is like strange for something so bright to appear to have disappeared entirely there's this amazing artist impression of this star again gizmodo's coming with a 
photos. Another thing we do is critique these stock photos in these articles. <laughs> Everyone, man, I love it. Yeah, sometimes they're 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 a cop out. This is a there's an artist rendering of this disappearing star here. It's amazing. But for all, I, how sure are we that this isn't like was this confirmed by multiple telescopes? This wasn't just some hardware glitch kind of thing. Uh, yeah, it's certainly not a glitch. Wow. Um, they there's a few reasons it could they. It could be hiding behind, like, a huge cloud of dust. I mean, it's really far away. Yeah. So a lot of shit could be in the way, which they should still be able to, depending on the size of something in between, you can still usually detect things uh, due to, like, light bending around, you know, large gravity objects and stuff. So it should be somewhat detectable, but it's not at all. Or they think it could have, like maybe turned into a black hole without supernovaing, which would be like the only the second time that's ever been observed. Yeah, I've got a note on that. If a supernova-less transition into a black hole is the case, it would mark the first known example of this happening to a massive star in a low metallicity galaxy, meaning not a lot of metal in that galaxy, and it's a massive star. Smaller star might do that, I believe. I feel like there also might be something with like consistency of the material. For example, if you have ever heard of laminar flow, have you ever heard of laminar flow? Holler in chat, have you heard that laminar flow? So laminar flow is something water will do if you've got all of the molecules uh, traveling in one direction really organizedly. For example, uh, if you run water through a bunch of straws all facing the same way and um, it doesn't have air bubbles, you can get the flow to come out and hit a surface and just spread. A lot of fountains do this. A lot of fountains where the water hits and it doesn't splash. It just mm. perfectly spreads and it makes a perfectly transparent rod of water. That's laminar flow uh, as opposed to turbulent flow. And I'm wondering maybe if this star just was like really smooth and really placid, if it could just kind of relax into a black hole. <laughs> That's my totally uh, uneducated theory. If it was just like a depressed star and he's like, all right, I'm just going to turn into a black hole now. Yeah. Like a... Uh, I was reading about this the other day is like a psych thing. Like uh, when like, like a passive suicide, like I'm just going to allow. <laughs> oh yeah. Where someone like doesn't actively, yeah. but they put themselves in a situation where they get killed. Mm. It could be one of those. I thought, I, I thought it would be fun if the dude from despicable me stole it. <laughs> if that was, that was his, yeah. his biggest heist. If I can take a warm moment on that, sometimes I just feel anhedonic and like maybe some cool stuff happened and it was great or like fun birthday time or something neat happened with a friend or something. And then I'll be left. And I think it's like totally goes hand in hand with bipolar, mm. but I'll be left just unable to feel like joy or pleasure or excitement about anything oh, yeah, totally. for a spell. And uh, just if you felt like that, no, I'm, I'm feeling you over here. That happens to me sometimes, but it eventually goes away. And I, what I try to do is just do something that I remember enjoying and then see if I rediscover it or something. But sometimes it's just a matter of waiting it out and just trusting that I won't always feel that way. Yeah. I usually find like going back to, like you said, something familiar and cozy. Yeah. You know, that just like can always get you in those or in a better mood, you know, but you don't always have the luxury of that. Sometimes True. it's still action time and you've got to stay busy and you've got to stay surviving. And in that kind of situation, uh, just putting your head down, muscling through it often like takes you to the next Island 
so to speak, where you can have a moment and appreciate what you made it through. Totally. So, if that is encouraging or like motivational or something, that was the intent. <laughs> have it. Guaranteed encouragement. <laughs> yeah, we don't guarantee encouragement on the show. <laughs> we only guarantee dankness. We just like try to encourage and sometimes widely miss the mark. And that's yeah. okay. If you can keep surviving and keep doing what you love doing, because uh, we do, good. Because we don't always feel like doing this. It's one of those things where you have to remember that you had the passion, then you rediscover it, and you got to do it anyway. And then you look back and you're like, well, look at this mountain of, of like memories below us and like a, a journal that we can look back on to ideally be immortal for at least a hand. If we had to 12 people to like remember this when they're old, Boom. That's all Jesus needed. <laughs> it's true. Oh, I think it was uh, like 13 people. Yeah. Jesus. If you count, if you count traitor. All right. How about Judas. I, I dove into some, we got a little more Florida news. I just wanted to see what Florida man was up to, you know, been missing Florida man. So this one is just uh, a weird occurrence. A 62 year old, was on a bike ride in the bike lane, safe and all that. And a, an iguana <laughs> ran into <laughs> ran into his bike and got caught in like the the front wheel, the fork and the the uh, bike tire and just got sandwiched in there and oh, locked up the front tire. So dude goes over the handlebars and scrapes him up. Yes, he needs some stitches in his head. But like there's a picture Oh, of the iguana, like. That's the, a bummer. I don't think the iguana survived, huh? No. Well, yeah. it's funny because the last two lines in this article are the victim who suffered scrapes and cuts to his head, arms and legs was taken to Fisherman's Hospital in stable condition. The condition of the iguana did not appear as stable. Oh, man. Obviously. That speaking of wanting like having a death wish, that iguana, like what would make you think to be near any of that? I, right. I doubt that tire just, like, lapped him up. That iguana was, like, getting in there. I think that iguana was, like, in deep with his bookie. <laughs> <laughs> made, some, made some bad bets on the, uh, uh, at the track. And, uh, you know, just uh, had to escape it somehow. There's something with rabbits in the desert. Certain desert towns, Apple Valley, where I grew up, was one of them. Uh, there's a couple years where... There just wasn't enough predators and a massive overpopulation of desert rabbits in that particular area. And they would jump in front of the car. It was the weirdest thing. Like they would go back and forth in the road to try to line up with in the way of the car as I was actively like swerving to not hit them. Even at like slow speeds. What if they like played their own version of Frogger, but they played for high stakes? <laughs> They're terrible at it. High stakes, high stakes rabbit frog, raptor, <laughs> hopper. Yikes. That's a thing in Vegas, too, is uh, sometimes people try to jump in front of your car. It's spooky. Yeah. Not to make light of, like, dark things a ton on this little segment, but it's a thing. I, well, so what if it's actually that, like, reincarnation is, is real? And once in a while, like, you, you remember that you've been reincarnated. And so you just, like, freak out. You know I, I, mean? I honestly believe there's a version of that in our genetic memory mm -hmm. because um, 
one of the biggest differences between humans and other animals we consider like less intelligent than us is that we come out dumber uh, relative to our adult intelligence. Most mammals come out with more uh, capability wired into their genes and more of their brain pre-wired. Yeah. Whereas we have the most blank brain matter that can be wired up like anything. Like an FPGA for you electronic and allegoriers. Um, we come out like all FPGA and it takes us longer to gestate and longer to prepare for adulthood than yeah. other mammals. And that's because that um, has something to do with at least how uh, important it is for humans to predict the future and be uh, up to date. And genetic memory became kind of obsolete for us. It became more beneficial to do dances and sing songs as a tribe to lock in with our kids where to go to hunt, what tree to use to build the roof of the hut, and all these things. Um, we would song and dance them into tradition and just reprogram them with each generation. So what I think that relates to with my original point that uh, now I'm stalling because all that was foundational for something we were talking about by space. I lost it. Yeah. I hate when that happens. I, I, I think that has something to do with the way that... Uh, well, it's about the, reincarnation. It's there. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So I think that we still do have things ingrained in our genes that we carry with us. I mean, there's certain things like smiling that like people just do, just do like uh, across the world as a human thing without it needing to be trained to you. And um, there might be more little nuggets like that. The more we discover what can be imprinted on... Uh, okay, let me get more direct. Uh, example time. If you have a parent that went through like war or something or really dramatic stress mm -hmm. that they had to like live through, uh, before you are born, there's a like a chemical response that is part of you. Like you're going to be a higher strung, more stressed person. Um, if your parents were, uh, so in that way, it's sort of a trauma memory. There might be more details to that memory than just this imprint of feelings or just this tendency to respond emotionally a certain way or not. And it would, it would be like, because you just respond to a certain stress chemical mm. in a certain way. Well, not yeah. only that, but there's full-on images and sense and way more uh, specific data that has transferred from generation to generation um, when, with animals and human tests, like an aversion to a certain color or image or look of a predator. Oh, yeah. If the true. shape of a predator's face um, can be retained in genetic memory generationally, then a human equivalent of that, say... Uh, would be indistinguishable from a flashback to a past life. It would be the life of a genetic ancestor and not like literally something your soul did. But how different is what your soul ended up being than that ancestor's soul anyway? If you consider it to be like this combination of the body and this emergent personality, calling the soul something like that. I mean, that's scientifically a, a past life. Yeah, that's, a, that's an interesting way to look at like past life and how people have those experiences. Yeah, it could be a very detailed genetic memory. And it only has to be a glimmer. It only mm -hmm. has to be the slightest thing and your own experience will fill in the details. You'll dream, okay, um, you might remember orange hair around the eyes and put the rest of the tiger together. Yeah. 
that might be all you needed in your genetic memory. I have the weirdest comfort driving, just sitting in a car for a billion hours, and my last name means wagon driver. <laughs> so, I mean, there's got to be connections like that. Yeah, yeah. I found out, like, like uh, I love water features, and it's a bunch of seafaring people in my mm. past. So it's, there's things like that. It's interesting. I'm all about it. Um, past lives, man. Quick holler in the chat. Uh, Aaron Archer, previous guest. Great episode. Aaron, what's up, man? One to check out. Um, there's a Hell search yeah. box in the bottom of greasyconversation.com to, to look for specific episodes for stuff. That's a good one. Shout out Phil Adams. Uh, Mad Mike again said, what do you call a bunch of black holes? A sound garden? <laughs> No, just kidding. <laughs> Sorry, nice. some restream destroyed some ASCII art. Sorry about that. Try, thank you for trying. Um, and yeah, onward. Wow, are we already halfway through? Oh, snap. Yeah. Holy crap. I apologize that we don't have our guest this first half. Uh, we'll bring him back. Whatever happened, we'll atone. Uh, he's one I'd give uh, several shots to. So just uh, checking in on that. Anyhow. Should we Bob Thornton it up? Yeah, give me one sec. All right. We got new ones for you. Real excitement. Bear my name. Evil can evil. Hi, it's Waz from Greasy Conversation. Did you know the pioneering stuntman Evil Knievel, the world record motorcycle jumping father of extreme sports himself, lives on spiritually in the satiny dough and hearty brick cheese of the pizza that bears his name. Evil Knievel. Evil Pie, that's E-V-E-L, on glistening East Fremont Street in the heart of downtown Las Vegas. They've been thriving here since back in 2016 because unlike our hero, it's not dangerous. The flavor isn't even risky, but it is braggadocious. I get the world famous Snake River special with the rattlesnake sausage. Honestly, it's great. I do love it. And it makes me feel like a mighty conqueror of perilous beasts. Vegans, don't tune me out. This place is known for their vegan pizza too. So get over there. Just make sure you check the RadioVegas.rocks app first. That app will have new specials just for RadioVegas.rocks listeners. Show them the app and satisfy your lust for excitement. Moments CBD is a local business in North Las Vegas with essential natural CBD products that helps with pain, anxiety, inflammation, and so much more. Their team of experts can help you with all your CBD needs. Moments CBD also carries washable medical masks and hand sanitizer with 70% alcohol, vitamin E, and aloe. Moments is having an amazing deal for June. 50% off all immune-boosting CBD products for you and your pets. Mention the Radio Vegas Rocks ad for the special. Located on 1311 West Craig Road at the Home Depot Shopping Center. Call 702-463-1616 for more info. They care about your health. Hi, I'm always on the go, and I need the one thing to help me keep moving. Zip this. That's right. It's an all-natural energy mix that comes in a tube. I can keep one in my pocket or my purse. So many great flavors, such as fruit punch, grape, orange soda, plus no hard crash because there is no sugar, but it is loaded with B12. It's high on electrolytes. I just love it. Zipfizz.com. 
Yeah, zipping our fizz. Fizzing that yeah. zip. Zipping up the fizz. Anyway, that's a long time one. Zip fizz has had our back for a minute. Get your fizz zipped, everybody. Holla. Welcome back. It's greasyconversation.com. And here we have dank news. I've got spinning lights to look at with excitement. Uh, I can make things dramatically red right now, which would make sense if we were playing a game. But we're not. I'm just being dramatic for, for sport, sport drama. And we're open for your uh, suggestions and steering at any point. Ah, oh, good to see you, Carrie. Uh, good to see you. so many cool folks popping up in the chat. Awesome. Uh, we're really hanging in there today, to be honest. I was a little disappointed with the internet going out so much over the last week that uh, it seems like this stream has been relatively steady. But if there's gaps I didn't notice, please check out the replay. Please show the replay to a friend. Put it on the background. Uh, play it for your pets while you're on vacation. And, uh, you know, tell a friend. We can't do this without you. We're building a, a little dank news community. It's uh, not just about us individually as people. I'm less interested in, like, my name and face being a brand as much as building a cool, immortal situation of news discovery, like a journal of our weird little dank histories and the crazy little things going on in the world that might be overlooked by the quote-unquote mainstream media that we can share and enjoy and have a good attitude at the water cooler together. That's my fresh introduction, uh, and welcome back. <laughs> there needs to be one of those that just like, you know, there's uh, there's that trick you can do with certain tones that like makes it sound like it just keeps progressing up. Like it sounds like it's just a scale, but it, it loops around. Yeah. But the way it's like an audio or auditory trick. Yeah. What happens is you have two tones that are rising in pitch and one of them jumps an octave down without you realizing it. So it sounds like it's just continually going up. Or I might have messed that up, but that's definitely a thing like that. Yeah, there's like certain Two rising pitches. tones, and they overlap so that you don't notice when one returns to a lower tone and then keeps yeah, increasing. Yeah, and it's basically just like a loop, but it sounds like it... It sounds like it's only going up. Yeah, which yeah. is weird. But like one of those that just sounds like it's getting louder and louder. It goes on forever. Yeah, and it messes with the way humans perceive some things in a circle instead of linearly. For example, every octave we perceive as repeating back to the same note. Mm. So like a, a C sounds like a C sounds like a C, or like they always go along, even if they are uh, double the frequency with each one. So multiples of like double, which I'm wording this ridiculously, but you know what I mean. <laughs> we just perceive the same, same thing with color. Pink is a hallucination. Pink is not ever one single color in real life. We see two sides of the spectrum blue and red at the same time as we perceive that as pink because we see the color uh wheel we see colors as looping around when we get to the edge of our high frequency color we start perceiving that as having a relationship with the edge of our low frequency color perception in a circle so believe it or not that's part of what's so exciting and alluring about pink and in fact some people myself included if i see a pink light in the distance, mm -hmm. I'll actually see a red and blue light next to each other. Oh, really? Separate. I don't know if it's my glasses or something that happened with my brain, uh, if it has to do with hallucinogens or what, but especially like a really pure pink light source 
in the distance, I'll, is it like, I'll see his two lights. Is it like, do you like the, the flaring that comes off? Because sometimes when you see light in the distance, it's like different Yeah, there'll be like colored flares off. off the side, yeah. Yeah. No, in this case, it's just literally like uh, two ghost copies right next to each oh, other. Oh, that's interesting. One blue and one red. That's crazy. Yeah, like uh, it'll blend if it's part of like an LED sign until like a certain, like a dot of it might be pink and then those will spread out. Yeah. And like neon lights that are pink do that. It's weird. Hmm. All right. So real quick, just because I got to throw this one out there, but Kanye announced that he's running for president in 2020. Yeah, I know this is mainstream news, but we got to bring it up because what do you think? And I just, you know, I feel like this is just Kanye's version of like my thing where after I've been in bed for like three hours and can't sleep, like hmm. I'm finally going to write that novel that I've been wanting to write my <laughs> whole life, you know? Yeah. I finally, I'm determined. It's that middle of the night. Like, why aren't I like this all the time? It's just like that. Yeah. Because he's already missed the boat. I'm like, has, like, you can't just like announce you're running for president and like get on the ballot in every state. It's a he process. He hasn't actually taken any steps. Yeah. He's so, taken no steps. The thing is, um, it's, it's a little bit disappointing for me because I'm used to Kanye doing something like this to hype whatever the next album is. Yeah. And usually he tries harder. And I feel like, this is classic Kanye um, announcing something big like running for president to get or doing something crazy. Or in one case, I think he was genuinely going through a difficult time emotionally. Oh, yeah. And I absolutely have no problem with taking this tough time and spinning it around for marketing and selling albums with it. You know, use a difficult time for the best. I don't think that's wrong or gross. I think that's like a, a good human endurance thing to do. In this case, I feel like he really should try harder to actually run for president, to, even though it's hopeless, for his own album hype. Like just as a, <laughs> uh, as someone who's an admirer of his marketing technique and strategy, and just yeah. what he's done as a businessman, <clears throat> and also I think he's super talented. But you can't deny he would even say some of this he's stumbled into, and just done the best he could with things that I think were generally tough for him. I think he legit has some like bipolar issues I can totally relate to and he comes off crazy and unstable sometimes and he does great things with that I think he uses it and it's good but uh, that's not what I want in a president for sure Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> no offense I, I would love him in a cabinet to get some artist views and to have someone representing uh, surviving through mental health difficulties because I feel like Kanye is a huge like public figure to look at for uh, comfort in knowing that not everyone has like an easy time with their head, even when they're successful. Yeah. I, kinda, I mean, I don't know. I'm, I've always been kind of like the person to shit on Kanye <laughs> constantly. And I don't like shy away from that, but I like, you know, I mean, I understand he goes through like some difficult times and all that. So, yeah. I'm the Kanye I mean, apologist. <laughs> I just, I just shit on the dude. Cause like, I just had to be a hipster about it, you know? Yeah. Like, I started being a hipster about it just because it was cool to shit on Kanye, and I just never stopped. <laughs> but I even, like, even his last album, that gospel album he released, like, I listened to it to give it a shot, and I just didn't think... I, and I like some gospel tunes. Like, gospel would get, like, funky, you know? Uh-huh. But I didn't think it was all that great. So funny. I'm, like, totally speaking up for him, and I totally slept on that album. <laughs> I heard I mean, song it, one yeah, from that album. it's all right. I have no clue. It's pretty short. <laughs> but, I mean, if you're... I guess listen to it if you want to, you know. I'm having a, a, Drake, a Drake resurgence, to be honest. Especially the chill Drake. Like, specifically anything where he doesn't have a cameo of anyone else on it. 
<laughs> Where, like, there isn't him. another artist on the track? Yeah, that's when I like it best. Well, just, how many tracks are there? Was that, like, one track problem, though? No, the, a lot of them, he, it's just him. Yeah, I don't know what my era is yet. I'm still, like, piecing it together and still forming. But, like, uh, you know, chill stuff, like Hotline Bling. It's, like, uh, really mid-tempo. That's my, that's my, uh, yeah. that's my Drake lately. Just, uh, not my jam. For what it's worth. <laughs> Do we yeah. have any mainstream or less mainstream media recommendations? Do they come up naturally? I'm not going to force a media recommendation. Yeah. I'm having an argue with, argument with myself here in the corner. Thanks for putting <laughs> up with it. <laughs> All right. So we got, Kay. now this. New one. Let me, let me cue yeah. it in. All right. Go ahead. <laughs> so this is a pretty interesting neurological condition that I think is probably like up for debate, uh, but it's called blind sight. And so basically this guy who is, um, he had some kind of like, or he had two strokes in quick succession. And then after that he was blind. And so he, you know, had to use a walking stick to get around and all this. But for some reason, it doesn't really explain why the psychologist placed this guy who's known as Barry, um, in a hallway full of obstacles, like chairs and boxes and shit. And they took away his walking stick and they just told him to walk through the hallway from one end to the other. Right. And there's a bunch yeah. of shit. So you're expecting a blind dude to like fall all over the shit. No, he avoids everything perfectly. Like he can see it, but he thinks he can't see. So there's something weird happening in his brain where like, the visual information is getting into his brain and is getting processed up to a certain point, but the conscious awareness part of it, like it doesn't get there. So in his case, it's not like he's echolocating no. or anything. He's using his eyes and seeing the objects and avoiding them and is just uh, unable to perceive. Yeah. So like he can't consciously recognize what he's seeing. You know, the visual cortex is in the back and all of your conscious, like feeling the steering the ship stuff is in the front. So it's like really not impossible for there to be a disconnect with all that distance. Yeah. And there's a few different people who have like, are they found that have this condition? And there's another interesting experiment where they had a, a guy with this condition, you know, as a test to like find out if he was actually blind or if he had this uh, blind sight where they put him in front of a screen and just displayed objects on the screen and had him guess from a series of choices like what he didn't see, just what he thought was on the screen, which for him, I'm sure, seemed weird. And uh, he was able to do it. I don't know if they had the... at, like, a high enough percentage that it, it wasn't random. Wow. So I don't know. I can't remember if they put, like, the percentage here to where it, like, definitely looks like he can see. At least partly, you know, so there's like the subconscious part of the brain that can like steers us around and make decisions for us that can get this visual information. But like, you just don't know you're not a, which is really weird about consciousness, but like how many other things, how many people that seem normal, like go around and like, they're not getting a ton of information that everyone else is getting, you know, yeah, is it, is it widespread? Well, how much do we uh, just totally yeah, overlook like, massive clues. Yeah, and you're, we already know like our brain hides a bunch of information from us. 
that it deems not necessary to know about. That's not like, you know, important for our survival at this moment. That reminds me of something as a kid growing up. Uh, I always felt like, you know, everyone older than me was smarter than me. And I remember it's before that teenage time when you, you think you've got it all figured out. Mm-hmm. I remember adolescence before that having this thing I would do where I would pretend I was a spy and it was also partly to make myself stop freaking talking like crazy because I was like a really obnoxiously chatty kid. <laughs> um, but to try to be input only, I'd say input only. I still do this, especially if I'm taking a hallucinogen break mm. and having a little uh, like inner conversation vacation, which I don't do constantly. I don't like I'm not going to advocate doing that all the time. Like some people would, you know, set and setting, set and setting, you know, but. I go input only, input only, and I'll try to think like I'm a spy, and everything might be a clue. So I'd go about school, I'd bump into a random adult that might be talking about something, and I would just like think of their conversation as uh, there might be one little clue in there that might tell me where to uh, say in those those old uh, games like a Sierra game or something where you mm-hmm. you talk to the farmer and oh he lost his sickle, and then you talk to the housewife and she found a random sickle yeah, yeah, and she'll yeah. give it to you if you go get her this coin she left in the field and you go to the field so i feel like everything is these little clues of like where to go next and i feel like uh i want to rediscover that i want to do that as like a, a thing as i'm talking to people about random things that might seem like they don't pertain to my life like what little nugget there is a clue or a hint that i'm gonna need later that's interesting thought process it also kind of reminds me like of uh, that dude from A Beautiful Mind mm. where like there are massive clues in like all the newspapers around the country and shit yeah you know unlike just everywhere there's clues everywhere and it's all some like huge code you have to crack well there is a type of schizophrenia that's like that too that I've, yeah I've dealt with firsthand in a couple of people in my life like not me personally you know you like you'll attract a certain kind of person if they're like a family member or something sometimes. yeah totally so I've seen this a couple times but it's a uh, I, I think it's in the paranoia family, but you see clues of something. Like in one case, there's someone that, uh, there's a, a mutual friend that she was positive had uh, like secret plans to run away with her. But in person, this person was not interested in her and actually started actively avoiding her because uh, they were being stalked oh, by wow. her. And she was so sure that this person was like, like she'd go to the gas station and there'd be like, uh, a postcard on a rack that she was sure he, him or someone that worked for him planted oh, as wow. a sign to her. Uh, anything like any... Uh, Man, that's heavy. Yeah, even stuff that he said would have like a secret thing behind it that meant the opposite. And it, just everything in the brain justified like that meetings. end goal. Yeah. Wow. And whatever evidence, even if there was directly the opposite, would get twisted to fit in with this narrative. Like just forced into it. That's um, intense, man. Yeah. It, it, it's one of those things where you can't just pop the bubble on someone like that either. You have to kind of play along to a certain extent, lest they like have a total breakdown about it. And then the breakdown doesn't even solve it. They just reach this moment of clarity where they're once again sure of it. Without yeah. the right treatment. There's right treatment for this. I never found it. Um, and it's something that I just got away from, but something I still like hurts in my heart that that's a thing. Yeah, it's just, I mean... Yeah, you can't even trust your own brain, man. No. Well, we're not built to. 
we're a hive entity. We're a, a, a species that doesn't function uh, as individuals. Like we need other people to double check our reality and our reality is purposefully stored in our brains with tons of holes expecting us to be around other humans to confirm things. Yeah, and it's it's kind of weird too how like other like perceptions of reality can just get forced into like the collective consciousness so there can be multiple things that like people don't agree on and like they're just both there now and they both exist and they're both equally real to different people and it's just there's two realities now which is pretty bizarre but that's the thing that can happen as well there's a lot more than two realities yeah totally not only that but there's a lot more than one person inside each of us yeah and the healthiest people mentally are the ones most aware that they have to deal with more than one of themselves at different times you have to not screw over tomorrow morning self thinking that that's some other person that's going to have to deal with that because that's our default by default you think the Tomorrow, you is another person that has to deal with that. Yeah, totally. So you got to be nice to yourself. You got to take, uh, like, be true to yourself, I guess, is really like what I'm getting to. Like, past me is the fucking worst. Yeah. Which means present me is the worst. <laughs> about that. But also, like, or that, like, all of your friends know, and your family members even know, like, a slightly different version of you. Mm -hmm. Or it could be totally different depending on how you are with different people. And it just, I mean, some of it's natural. Like we have the, just humans have the tendency to like even match like speaking patterns of people. So if you have a group of friends that like have a Southern accent, you'll kind of take on a twang mm -hmm. and just like subconsciously. And things like that, perpetuating uh, valuable thought patterns, that's a form of immortality. And the people, the, the way that we live in everyone else's eyes is nothing more than what we would appear to do in response to different situations, how we would react to things and what we would output. So if that output continues and those reactions continue after our death, uh, as far as what we appear to the outside, as far as where we're like not any more dead than we always were to people, it, they can still get fresh data and interactions that are like us and other people. If we exist in other people, or if there's something like this talk show where people can see how and, and get an idea for how we might have responded to certain things, mm -hmm. that's all anyone ever knew of us anyway. No one's ever seen our inside. No one's ever seen any more of each of us than how we've been on the outside and how we've responded to things and what we've output and uh, what we have output intellectually uh, right. and, and creationally. You know, I'm, I'm L-Y in all kinds of words right now, but you follow me. So if that perpetuates, say in our family members that we, <clears throat> like my passed away father, all the attributes of him that continue in me, I mean, that's a given. That's like a kind of a trite version of immortality. But there's something to that, like zeitgeisty. There's something to uh, however much people ever knew us. So it's like we don't even die as much as we thought we'd die because we were never even as alive as we thought we were to others. No one sees us as alive as we see ourselves inside for this little uh, sparkler of a, of a flicker we get in this species that we are, this entity of humanity. It's going to been going on before and will go on after us. But it doesn't mean that we're not significant while we're in it. It doesn't right. mean that you can't have a little bit of hedonism to uh, enjoy it while you got it. 
Might as well. Yeah. Shit, man. Take that how you will. It's like it's it's trippy too. The when you mention like the things about your dad that like live on in you, and I wonder if that just happens to everyone. Like, and as a kid, you grow up and you're like, I'm never gonna be like my parents, unless you have cool parents, I guess. I don't know, and they're great people. Uh, but I was very much of the I'm never gonna be like anything like my parents, and then. I noticed I have tons of mannerisms of my stepdad that I just like grew on me. <laughs> cool. And uh, I'm just like, fuck, man, fuck. <laughs> and that's not even genetic. That's yeah. just a close influence. <gasps> Which is, and it's just like, it just happens. Yeah. And like, no matter how much you say you're not going to mm -hmm. be like a person you're around all the time, like you pick up their behavior and mannerisms and all kinds of shit. Trippy, man. Which always like trips me out. How much are we really in control of ourselves and what we do. But it also reminds me to try to um, uh, keep making this broadcast valuable, even as something that, uh, you know, when it's like a news format or a format that you can output regularly and things get stale, things are old, that it's more than just my claw at immortality, that there's something valuable here to look back on and to enjoy in real time that you can all be part of. It's a way to not just make myself immortal in all of your eyes, but to have everyone that participates in it uh, be part of this moment in this history uh, historically, too, for what that's worth. Yeah. Joint history. Joint history, then. All right. Droplets then go drip on your squeaky wheels. we got to find the squeaky wheels and give them our droplet hood. <laughs> all right. got to hear. All right. We just got to. It's just garlic bread at the edge of space. It's just garlic bread at the edge of space. I mean, so, it's just, it's amazing. Have you guys seen the garlic bread at the edge of space? Um, uh, I'm all asking you impersonally style. I mean, I think this person. I'll show you guys in a second when the internet comes back. Thanks this, for watching the replay of this right now. Right. <laughs> I think this person just totally broke, I mean, broke the lid wide off of this whole thing. Because now, like, so many foods to the edge of space. And there's, there's been a lot of foods to the edge of space. It's a really cool lane to check out. If you haven't seen all the YouTubers that have strapped stuff to weather balloons with a GoPro and seen stuff go to the edge of space. But this garlic bread looks like it genuinely got better tasting from it. And it's like gourmet. This is a great YouTuber collaboration because the person that made the garlic bread was like a YouTuber too. Oh, really? And yeah, killer cross promotion. Nice. Yeah. What, what was the other thing? We showed people something going to space. Man, it must have been season one or two. It was the first one of this format. Uh, what was it? It was another food, I think. Or an action figure or bobblehead. Bobbleheads oh. going to the edge of space was a thing. Yeah, no, I know what you're, it was a, yeah, what was it? Fuck, I can't remember. We need to it search our own It was a specific object. Yeah. Yeah, it was like It's a, a cool lane, though. You should check vintage. it out. I'm, I'd play it right now, but you, as you probably know, you're, you're not there. I'm not there. We're not, we're, we're on an island of not interneting at this second. So thanks for watching the replay right now. <laughs> all right. So what, what this got me thinking, all right, you, what's your, what's your food to the edge of space? What are you choosing? There we go. That's a place that you to think take would, this. That you think it would make it better. Yeah. Let me see if I can do this edge of space some way that people haven't done yet. I want something messy. All a right. lot of these edge of space things, they just get frozen or they just there. You see them with the curve of the earth or whatever. Oh, another thing I found out is that this YouTuber, um, I want to say Michael Scott. I forgot. Is it something Tom Scott. Scott? Tom Scott. Holla, Tom Scott. Powerful Tom Scott. 
So he actually corrected for the curve of the fisheye lens that GoPros have. So you only see a slight curve of the earth on this one like you should. Whereas a lot of these, the earth looks crazy curved and it's actually like the the flat earthers say it is the fisheye lens, but there's still a curve there anyway. Come on. Um, So anyway, I I do something messy, something that like popped up in space. And so like, so like paint splatter that could freeze something like that. What about like (laughs) spaghetti in a balloon? Spaghetti in the balloon. Balloon spaghetti. Oh, I love that. Yeah. That sounds like a, that sounds like a Sanrio character. Oh, it's karaoke and balloon spaghetti and Hello Kitty. Hello Kitty's new friend, balloon spaghetti. Man. (laughs) Oh, man. People are coming right back into why are they talking about balloon spaghetti? (laughs) Welcome back to the video feed. Uh, Maybe now I can show you the, the. Tom Scott's balloon real quick. Anyway, you can pull up the next thing while I have this in the background. Yeah, I th- I would go for like. Oh yeah, we're still that, talking something about something that freezes like on the way up, like popsicles. Like you have it in a, in the mold, oh, with yeah. the stick in there, and then you just like you know have the lid. There's there's some that have lid. You can secure it somehow. Yeah. So and start then, liquid, come back, pop. And yeah. Then. Let's get them space pops, man. Oh, another thing revolutionary on this one is. There's uh, a foam box that spring-loadedly closes over the garlic bread at a certain altitude. So the garlic bread touches space but returns to Earth cleanly. Oh, wow. That's, That's a good idea. That's major. I really, really want to eat what travels to space. This is uh, something like 24 Burj Khalifas into the sky or something like that. Thirty? Yeah. No, I think it might have been 30-something of the tallest building on Earth. Oh, wow. Uh, is how high this thing went up and then it got to go in their mouths oh there's the balloon popping here this is perfect timing and that's rad at a certain point as it gets closer to the ground the thing snaps closed so yeah let us know in the chat uh what you would want to put into space or what you'd eat from space i love your popsicle idea i I, really want to try space spaghetti this this seems like it could be like the next wave of like high-end restaurant stuff just that that like super snooty like where they get all the crazy like freeze all these like individual components with like uh what the fuck is that the nitrogen yeah is it? Oh, okay uh, space yeah, in it. we could do this with liquid nitrogen yeah, i liquid was thinking nitrogen. if they all went into space for everything for this food like edge of space restaurant there would be this field next to the restaurant where all the weather balloons come down yeah <laughs> that you could just get all this gourmet food well, i was thinking like so the the way the restaurant would be set up is like you come in and you order your meal and then like the chef you know it's some super famous chef and this is his restaurant and he like prepares the food and then sends it up to space <laughs> and then it comes down and you eat it right i love this dude and it's like three michelin star restaurant <laughs> just like it's on it's on diners drive in and dives Oh, I love this idea. In the middle of Flavortown. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? In the heartland of Flavortown. Right? Shit, man. <laughs> I'm oh, all man. about it. Holy crap, we're already at a news chug hour. We actually have a lot left to get through. Yeah, we do. Uh, so we can do... Yeah, should we do last Bilbo real quick? Get we'll knock it out. Quick. It's going to be a quick one, you guys. Stick around for a fasty. 
You guys love tacos? I do. Yes. I do. Okay, right? Is yeah. That tacos. That's my care. spirit animal. I don't care what gender you are or, you know, we just, we love tacos, right? Sexually identify as a taco. Yes. Whatever, man. <laughs> Can you but, this one? Have you know, since we all love tacos, yeah. we all Wait. need to know about Pinche's tacos. Wait, interruption. Pinche's tacos. It's really important that instead of hearing this commercial again, you hear me out on this because Pinche's tacos brought us amazing tacos for Jay's birthday party broadcast on the Rockin' Comedy Show uh, last week. Holy crap, they brought a tin of them. Even I was warming them up all night and it was such a good experience. Pinche's Tacos, they really delivered it real and they deserve a manual uh, shout out directly from me of thanks. Pinche's uh, came with the power and I'm super grateful to them. Pinche's yeah, Tacos. Hold right. on. Next one, sorry. Hey ladies, when it's not raining men, it's always raining tacos at Juan's, Flaming Fajitas, and Cantina during their daily happy hour from 3 to 7. If things get a little too hot from their authentic Flaming Fajitas, you can visit their outdoor dining area and cool down with Juan or Dos Corona Ritas. If you're feeling spicy, be sure to order one of my personal favorites, their fresh tableside guacamole, which goes perfectly with their homemade chips and salsa for one or two. Visit Juan's Flaming Fajitas and Cantina on Facebook or in the real world at 9640 West Tropicana. Proud supporter of the Rock and Comedy Show for two years and counting. Big or small, they do them all. It's Motor Mission, family-owned and operated machine and radiator shop. At Motor Mission, they offer complete radiator rod and repairing, rebuilding, replacements, and manufacturing all in-house. They also provide complete machine shop services, including engine rebuilding, valve jobs, surfacing, milling, boring, honing, balancing, thermal cleaning, blasting, hot tanking, broken bolt removal, antique restoration, and much more. If you need a custom radiator with electric fans and a fan shroud built for your custom project, they can do that too. Motor Mission works on anything foreign and domestic for autos, industrials, RVs, heavy equipment, power sports, antiques, marine, racing, street rods, hot rods, stationary gen sets or power units, and large mining equipment. Motor Mission is at 5435 Desert Point Drive. Call 702-649-2366 or visit motormission.com. Be sure to get your mix of music, listen to us with the RadioVegas.rocks app available at the App Store, and check out our VIP card, interact with us in our chat room, and scheduling of our RadioVegas.rocks shows, plus podcasts. It's all available on RadioVegas.rocks app. It's Greasy Conversation, the talk show on RadioVegas.rocks. Welcome back. We've got our news chug to occur right now. It's when we hit up the most we can at the end to share and enjoy. All right. On the, and some robot slash AI news, which we like to skim on once in a while. Yeah, I got to uh, check in. So MIT developed this robot that can disinfect warehouses, uh, like warehouse floors, in 30 minutes and could have like other um, applications like schools and grocery stores, random buildings, whatever. But it's like just a little thing that cruises around and it's got four ultraviolet lights on it, it looks like. It just kind of cruises around an area and like blasts it with UV light. This robot is so much better than some other solutions I've seen for this because it's just UV light. Yeah. It's just shining light. Uh, it's on stuff that don't like it. and. 
I'm sure there's things that can hide in some crevices and black mold it up, but I've been seeing these industrial sprayers that's like something like a leaf blower, but it shoots mist clouds. Oh, man. That's like a chemical uh, killing stuff. I massively fear that we get too antibacterial, too antimicrobial in the wake of this one infection, and we end up with all kinds of superbugs and MRSA. I feel like it's just like the end of World War One versus the end of World War Two. When World War One ended, the nations that were uh, the losers were punished, um, even though it was the people under warlords that were also victims. And it led to such uh, re, uh, resentfulness that it took us into a whole nother war with a lot of these same people. Whereas after war, World War II, we accepted that there was human beings stuck under these regimes and we built these countries back up to be peers. And that's why Germany is considered like a first world peer now. And um, I worry that we're facing something like that with microorganisms that we can't negotiate with, but they're evolving uh, and trying to survive. And if we kill a lot of them that aren't trying to kill us, then we're just asking for microscopic revenge. Yeah, totally. That's a huge worry for sure. Um, but hopefully, hopefully our robot overlords can uh, help us out enough. Yeah, it's like we grew up in the 90s when there was the whole um, antibacterial everything. Yeah. And then the arms were thrown up in the early noughties and uh, antibacterial soap was suddenly bad again and people were all, be careful with the hand sanitizer everywhere because people are getting MRSA and superbugs that we don't have things to combat. Yeah, which probably like, which like antibacterial stuff has like nothing to really do with. Cause yeah, it's not even a bacteria. And yeah. there's important bacteria in our guts that we need. Yeah, and doing all that like, I don't know if... Uh, like the antibacterial stuff, the soaps and hand sanitizers, like those aren't really as big of a worry as like antibiotics, like not uh, bugs adapting to antibiotics. Yeah, overuse of antibiotics is a way bigger concern in that yeah. category, but I feel like they're next door. And I feel like all that stuff is for hospitals. And in your home, you've got to be able to like tolerate a certain amount of viral load. I feel not that I don't wash everything. I already wash my hands a ton. And, you know, I disinfect things periodically or whatever. But I feel like if you go too crazy with it, you can definitely risk setting yourself up for something you can't combat. Yeah. I do feel like this robot needs... I want to see more, like, friendly robots, man. This robot's not cute enough. Yeah, he needs, like, a friendly face. It's, it kills. It's a robot killer. It's a war machine against, you know, microbial stuff. But still, it's genociding as it goes about this warehouse it should have like at least a cowboy hat or something right because it, well, it, it looks cold and it looks cold and dark it looks like four glowing rods on a black cylinder of death is what this thing looks like yeah but i want to like if you, if you work in a warehouse and you have to work around a robot like this like it can ask you like how your day is you know yeah like I and it be, can be like oh same old same old or hardly working <laughs> Yeah, exactly. It jokes around with you. If you see like an upside down waste bin with an Xbox on top of it and four lightsabers sticking out of the top of it, which is dead on what this looks like, just sneaking up on you, just whirring up past you with its little electric motors, you, uh, bumps your elbow, I'd scream and pee a little 
And it probably <laughs> wouldn't even say, oh, howdy, partner. Right. <laughs> it's General Grievous. Yeah. <laughs> this thing. It is. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's, it's it's the blue kind of lightsaber, so you, you think it's light side, but still, it's not something that it's when you want when you're looking for something in life that needs a smiley face put on it. It's this, it's this robot warehouse death robot. Like yeah. that's what I've envisioned. Just a smiley face on top. Like that's all it needs. That's the finishing touch, really. Yeah. You know. At least this curve around the bottom of it could already be shaped like a smile from any angle. They almost got it. There's a there's a circle around the bottom of it. Uh, that encircles the bottom and from this angle looking down at it you just put a couple just dots around the bottom and any pair of them could be some eyes and uh our brains could let it be uh you know humanize it a little bit wait i got it i got it all right so you put eyes on the top and then the black square the base for the lights yeah you put a mustache <laughs> on the part on the part that sticks out and then the mouth underneath it yes all right i'm gonna photoshop this later get ready <laughs> yes please do <laughs> We're going to clip it it'll up. Be, it'll be the best. They'll, everyone's going to love that robot. <laughs> Fixed it. Right? There we go. All better. Now this rolling lightsaber mobile <laughs> is friendly. Man. Awesome. I love it. I yeah. really can't wait till like, robots are every... Like, well, I mean, talking robots. Like, humanoid robots. I really want to see that before I die. Well, there's uh, some valiant efforts towards it as far as smart home speakers as far as smart home speakers yeah yeah, yeah. like you can talk to robots right now for oh better yeah, for yeah. Worse. they're starting to get more contextually understanding and stuff too for what it's worth like yeah. there was there was that one person they made like this uh this female robot and it was pretty realistic looking and just to see if they could get it to, like, learn how to talk to people and, like, converse properly. And uh, it was, like, part of the program was an AI that was built to do that. And uh, it would have these weird moments where it would just kind of, like, start talking about this, like, past that it had when it was, like, a little kid. Yeah. And it's a brother. And so, like, it actually had, like, a past life with events that had happened. Did this emerge, like, fancifully, or was this a real life that it was putting together from old memories of it conversing? No, they don't know. Like, it was, it seem, it was seemingly, like, random. Like, the guy, the person who made it doesn't wow. ever remember, like, it wasn't, like, programmed into it to have a memory about stuff. It was just supposed to, like, learn how to talk to people. So, so it's just like a chatbot type thing, like, in a robot, basically. So I imagine so many people talked whimsically of their pasts and their childhood with it. Then in order for it to relate and communicate with people on the same level, it started talking as if it had this childhood in this past, too. Yeah, it could. So and that it, means how many people walk around today talking about an imaginary past and childhood because they don't have one? Oh, yeah. Just man. to relate to people. Dude, the whole thing about, like, fake memories. Fake is memories are so real. Really yeah, yeah. trippy, man. Or, like... I mean, there's definitely things that I remember from my childhood that, like, thinking about it really hard totally could have been a dream mm -hmm. or like I've talked to like my, my mom about events that I thought happened when I was like four or five it didn't happen. It was, to it was totally a dream. So weird shit like that. So, I mean, my whole childhood could be just like made up. Wow. Our whole childhood, everyone's childhood could be made up. Simulation. Dude, we could have never been kids. <laughs> like we could have been created 
like a week ago even, man. And just remember having done all these shows. Wow. Are any of our past episodes even real? Right. Why don't you confirm for yourselves out there? <laughs> and why do you remember listening to them? Like, if you do, why do you remember that? Yeah, are you even sure? You should double check. <laughs> right. That's the best ploy for uh, revitalizing views and old shows ever. Right. Can you just help us out finding out if they're real or not? Man, this, this angle is hilariously Dutch today. That camera, it looks like a Pomeranian <laughs> dog looking at you quizzically. <laughs> it's like the, this is the Kubrick angle today. Love it. That's that Kubrick angle. So more AI. Uh, there's an AI now that um, we're working on. A, we, you know, I'm trying to involve myself with the scientific community, but there is a uh, procedure or thing with AI that uh, is for ethics. Basically, you might, you might be able to incorporate a... Oh, why did I type this like this? Um, conversion. Greasy conversion. That's... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like supposed to be uh, like a, some mathematical formula that can be applied to AI for certain things like developing... Uh, well, that like way you insurance, don't have insurance prices, like pricing insurance, mm. like if that's totally uh, like automated, instead of doing like what's most efficient to make the most money, it would actually do what's the most ethical. So how exactly it does that, I'm not sure, but it's uh, what these researchers are claiming to have developed. And I'm, I'm, I hear you out there saying, whoa, there's already ways that that can go awry when... Uh, AI might think, okay, this is the best for humans to wipe out this swath of humans. I think it's a little bit more nuanced than that and, and more evolved as a thing. Because there's you, you, step up, you step back and it's clear to us uh, what ethics work for humanity as a whole the best without, uh, with the idea that the individual is precious. Yeah. You just add that one little uh, chunk to the equation that um, individuals are valuable and it's fixed. So I don't think the AI going rogue, especially when you look at um, the math of humanity's kindness, and the fact that the majority of people are good and what you can consider generically good, have good intentions, want what's best for humanity. That's most people. It's just that uh, the rogues can be the loudest and can get the most attention. And also they're important. There are things that might seem roguish in a certain period of history that end up being crucial for humanity in the future. And then there's genocides and stuff, so it's not all good, but... <laughs> no, and, like, what's weird, too, is there's, like, a lot of... And I know that this, like, program doesn't apply to, like, just ethics across the board. But, I mean, I'm sure things like this will be discussed or tried to uh, be created for a lot of ethical situations or programs that would deal with that. But, like, it's not always, like, clear-cut. And, like, you were mentioning, like, the individual is precious, but up to a certain point, like, we have to change our perspective on that. Like, yes. is, it, is it worth saving, like, one person if a million people are going to die? And, like, that's, you know, there's, like, all these weird edge cases that you can come up with. And, like, ethics is a weird, like, there's a lot of gray area still that we know. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that's, like, common sense, you know, which we should figure out how to do for... AI. Yeah, like if you make your um, overdraft 
policy scheduled in such a way that you can deposit money and then still get an overdraft fee, you know, maybe take a look at that programming there a little bit. Yeah. You know what bank I'm talking That's about. That's certainly not an ethical program. Yeah. <laughs> Wells Fargo. <laughs> so Neptune, Neptune, Neptune finally, finally rains diamonds. What is with my conjunctions today? So Neptune rains diamonds. We've talked about diamond rain might exist in some places. We found it's in our solar system, actually. Diamonds raining diamonds. Yeah, well, I think this is, uh, it was like an experiment done on Earth that confirms that it's possible. Yeah, that we finally know how it might happen. Yeah. Now, I personally don't know how it happens, but we as people finally know. People do that royal <laughs> we. Yeah. Yeah, I'm all about that royal we. I get to jump in there and feel like I accomplished something. This is the <laughs> festival. If you want to be part of the royal we, you're oh, in the yeah. right show for sure. This is it. And then um, last quick one on the AI yes. docket. Researchers create an AI system that can predict epileptic seizures one hour ahead of time with 99.6% accuracy. So for people who do suffer from that, they can have like a little app on their phone even. I don't know how they, you know, I'm sure they have to wear something or have some monitor stick to them. Yeah. Do you know what uh, type of measurement it does to detect this? If it's motion or camera? Uh, I think this says it, it like depends on EEG. Oh, perfect. Tests. Yeah, so you basically just need electrical connection. Shout out Good News Network um, to your heart. And dang, that's awesome. Yeah, and it can just like notify you at least an that's hour ahead of time. That's a game changer for epileptics. Yeah, so you can just go, I mean, plan the rest of your day, chill, set your area up, you know, let yeah. someone know. That, it's shit like that's fucking incredible to me, man. Hey, uh, I want to take a few minutes. We might have time for a couple chugs before the show ends. But one thing I have in the docket, it looks pretty um, like ambiguous and what it's uh, and out of place in some headlines that might be on the normal episode. I just put class war used as a race war. I yeah, I saw you put that on there, and I was like, what the fuck is, what's 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 talking about? What news is that? Yeah, I mean, it seems like uh, it might be a little heavy-handed of me to throw something like that, like, worded like that, but it's just uh, something that I thought we'd get into with BG a little bit as our guest, and I'm sure when we come in, but, uh, and, and again, I don't want to be too uh, political or take things in to outrage, um, Yeah. but it's undeniable that a lot of things that are being framed as a race thing are a class thing, like economic classes, and totally. I've found in myself, sometimes it's easy to be like, oh, this isn't racial. This is classist and it's just as wrong. But like, it's easy to disregard something as uh, not being as serious of an issue just because um, it's being misrepresented. Uh, whether something is racist or classist, that's also bad. Uh, we can't control what classes we were born into. We can't uh, control what... Uh, economic situation we had to build from. And it's undeniable that if you had more resources, you've got more to work with to build success from. And I'm sick and tired of the phrase pull up from bootstraps coming up when historically that phrase was a joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Historically, that was meant because it's, it's impossible to do that. It is impossible to pull yourself up by your shoes, literally. And just because some people have done success stories that are analogous to that kind of impossible 
doesn't mean that people born with less opportunities should all be expected to pull off that same miracle. Yeah. It's outrageous. So yeah. I'm, I'm tired of these things coming up as expectations of lower class systems to just suddenly pull themselves into the middle class when there's things that like things cost more when you can't buy in bulk. Uh, there's bank fees when you can't keep a certain amount stored in your bank account. Uh, yeah. You need deposits to get into a place if you're it's, not already it's living It's super somewhere. expensive to be poor. There's a lot yes. of like additional costs that aren't. It um, literally costs more when you have less money. There's advantages. Uh, there's money advantages just having more money to work with. Yep. And there's programs and systems to help people have more working capital to then use the capital they have more efficiently. And it puts more money into the system and it means more customers that can buy from your business. If you're one of these people that thinks everyone poor should just like make it somehow without your help. And I'm not saying that because you worked for things, you have to help people that didn't work for things. I'm saying it's more nuanced than that. So yeah. I, I'm seriously peeved with the, the single, like um, short-sighted myopic um, assumptions that everyone can do the impossible and pull themselves up with their bootstraps and that everyone that's less successful is lazier and can have the same success with, the, with such differing opportunities in front of them. Yeah, well, a lot of that just is like our, the way our culture is and like our media is. It's all like focused well, There's all the heroes that came up from man. the ground um, and it's inspiring, but it doesn't mean we can all do that. Yeah. And well, these and are the all people is, that got a break somehow with working with somebody. A lot, of the, a lot of people don't think about that. And also there's like a survivorship bias for people who end up being successful. For every person that like ends up being a, a huge success, there's tons of other people that weren't and lost everything multiple yes. times you yeah. know so there's there's i mean there's a lot of layers to it and that's why um, if you're for re reformation of uh social systems and stuff that you might consider socialist I, I that's great be for reform of it don't be for taking it away we can't have pure capitalism any more than we can have pure socialism there has to be a balance and there has to be a way that we look out for less fortunate in the community and uh, I just want people to think more nuanced. If there's one takeaway from that bullet point, it's just that it's not all one way and people are not all lazy or all uh, powerful. Uh, and everyone is an individual with more nuance to it. So I'm just tired of the write-offs. Stop yeah. writing people off and writing groups off. Uh, this will be my last one because it's a pet peeve. Uh -huh. I'll get off it, I promise. Yeah, because um, we're, we're staving a little stew at the but end. But like the, the, the comparison with like socialism all the time or like we're... All right, first of all, we're like the most capitalist country on the fucking planet. Yeah, and socialism is an absolute. It's, uh, it's such a bad word for, that it's being nothing, used for things. Nothing like anyone has suggested like economically or politically in the last 50 years is remotely close to socialism. Like, yeah, like real socialism, even if it might be socialist. It's a scare word. Yeah. I mean, you know, like in the, during the Red Scare, it was communism. And then socialism leads to communism, which like isn't yeah. true. And a lot of social programs, I know you're getting to this, like save a lot of money. Yeah. A lot of times the best thing for capitalism is to regulation. have social, <laughs> yeah, regulation for one thing to keep it in control and to keep all classes participating. Because yeah. when you have capitalism that only the upper 10% can participate in, then that's no, it's, there's no longevity in that because you run out of customers. Yeah, totally. Eventually, but... Anyway, yeah. that's it. A, a, f a little bit of social program sprinkle around keeping everyone participating at least. Actually, like benefit like food stamps is yeah. a net positive. Even yeah. though you pay people money, like it ends up getting recirculated and ends up as 
positive it does for the economy it makes money for everybody when everyone can have food it makes money for everybody when everyone can have health care before they suddenly need free emergency room health care it costs four times as much yep free preventive health care is a tenth the cost and that's why other countries can do it (laughs) it's not just the fact that they spend less on their military yeah it's not just the fact that they imprison a tenth of as many people as we put in prison (laughs) hey man got to Got to hit them private prison quotas. Yeah, you got to make money oh, with man. this prison economy. We could totally go off the fucking rails here. But we're not an outrage <laughs> show. That's why we're just doing a, a few minutes of this at the tail end. Yeah. Uh, just to be real with y'all. Yeah. Gotta, once in a while, got to yeah. do that. We can't be all rubber chickens all day, all the time all right. in this Let's, environment. How about some uh, some Florida man? Okay, this is, this is yeah. a good one. Fresh Florida. All right. So this dude was at Disney World. And got busted trying to use a stolen debit card. <laughs> what did he do with so that when, debit card? So when he got confronted by the police, he tried to eat the debit card. <laughs> All right. And of course, is like not going to be able to do that. And then so when the police stop him, they search his pockets and they find a bag of white powder. And he just like right off the bat just said, right, I'm not going to lie, officer, it's cocaine. Just right away. Yeah, no problem. Like, you could have ate that, probably. Yeah, I've been <laughs> fine. Depending on how much. Don't eat a bunch of cocaine. Yeah. Dangerous. But you'd, you'd have been better off than trying to eat a debit card, man. Yeah, Fuck. the debit card, you can say you found. Someone dropped it, and you wanted to, like, call the bank and return yeah, it. Yeah, they'll, they'll just pull up the, the cameras. There's cameras everywhere in Disney World shops, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, you're trying to return this stolen debit card by sliding it through a lot of slots and buying stuff? Yeah, I was just making sure it was... I, I just making sure I needed to return it, you know? Because, <laughs> like, if it didn't work anymore, like, why, you know, you don't need to return it, right? Yeah, you know, don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> so, I just love that shit, man. Eat the Coke, uh, turn in the debit card, not the other way around. Yeah. <laughs> totally. there's, there's your lesson there. Eat Coke. <laughs> That's the takeaway. That's the hashtag right. of this episode. Yeah, totally. Eat Coke. That's the thing that happens sometimes is it's not a, you don't always get to pick your hashtags. Yeah, <laughs> right. It just happens. <laughs> Hashtag eat coke. So then there's this <laughs> other so in Wachula, Florida, a resident has been paying or they gave a resident permission, he's been paying to spray the streets with hydrogen peroxide yeah what to help combat the old covid but wait a minute i didn't think hydrogen peroxide killed anything it's i don't just think it does bubbles. either yeah the whole point with hydrogen peroxide in a wound is that correct me if i'm wrong but the baddies ride the peroxide bubbles to the surface that's what i understand or you oxygen deprive them or it can like it pop them they can help like explode cells yeah oh yeah 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 there's uh, but even still, like, I, I don't think it's, like, very effective against COVID or you would have been, like, doing that. No. Why? So it's just some guy streets. who, like, thinks that it might be. And somehow he got the stupid city to let him do it. Yeah. Or fund it. Yeah. No, he's, he, been, he's been paying for it. Personally. Oh, my He just gosh. really thinks it helps. Which, I mean, I just, like, anyone who thinks, like, whatever helps... Can, can, can we just spray? Have, yeah. Can I just like spray Kool-Aid everywhere? Yeah, no, totally. I'm telling you. We don't I'm have to talk to any doctors or any scientists or anything about it. We're just going to, we feel it. You, the Holy Ghost told me to spray this crap down. Right. Oh, and then uh, Jurassic Park 
Jurassic Park time. There was a uh, what? All these, all these. There's this uh, collection of like uh, insects stuck in amber. Oh, <laughs> I'm trying to search for that in the news. I'm like what? And it's just cool. Like, uh, oh, sick. Quite a lot of them. Oh wow, this is beautiful. You guys should see the pictures of these insects in amber. It's really psychedelic looking. Yeah, totally. And you can uh, scroll down. There's quite a variety wow, of them. Wow, fabulous. So definitely time to get our Jurassic Park on again. Nice. You know, I had a great time the first time. <laughs> An okay time the second time. Yeah. Michael Crichton, if you guys haven't read the books, not it doesn't have to be Jurassic Park books, but Michael Crichton's writing is a roller coaster ride. I highly recommend. Yeah, dude, you know what? Like one of the movies, like Sphere. Oh, Sphere is such a good book. Yeah, the book is so much better than the so movie. So spooky. The movie, like, kind of did it, but didn't really get the like vibe of the book yeah you know like they just didn't have time but the book is like has a way yeah just a better atmosphere man but i mean that's movies for you that are based off books a lot of them don't translate well because you have to just get the gist of a really long book you know yeah true well hey i really appreciate you all playing along for uh as the chunks that we had liveness and thanks for watching this recording and being part of this I really wanted to snuggle up with y'all extra and let you know what it means to me to be part of the show because um, we can't do it without you. And sometimes things get easier as you keep doing it. Sometimes things get harder and harder. And we've had a lot of challenges putting this new studio together. And yet it's kept getting better and better. And, and uh, we couldn't do it without you all and your help uh, patronizing our sponsors, uh, RadioVegas.rocks. Click on any of the banners to get them involved. And uh, we really appreciate you. Stay, stick around. Um, tell a friend. And that's it. Oh, alas, it's been it's been a delight. And BG will drag him on again soon too. Uh, shout out to him and the fam. Uh, check out his music linked below and resources for doing creative endeavors. If you need a professional. Uh, music person to get a beat produced for you or just generally get your stuff up to that next level. He's got text and techniques for you. Alright, later on. <laughs>